This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You might assume we're both good at presenting to a live audience because of this podcast. But at the end of the day, when we record, it really feels like we're just talking to one another. Presenting information in person in a formal setting to a large audience is something that still makes us really nervous. To prepare for a live speaking event we're hosting together, we turn to our masterclass subscription to not only refine our presentation skills, but to build our confidence in a different kind of public speaking capacity. Between Robin Roberts, Hillary Clinton, and Kevin Hart's expertise, our confidence skyrocketed. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass helps you actually do it. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master negotiate with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or plan your dream wedding with celebrity event planner Mindy Wise, Masterclass has you covered. There are over 200 classes to pick from, with new classes added every month, like our latest aha moments from Robin Roberts' effective and authentic communication class that we watched before our event presentation. She taught us how to establish a genuine connection with the audience from the start. I'll always be a little nervous before presenting, but Masterclass prepared us in a way that dialed my nerves down and gave me tools to ground myself. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Get 50% off right now at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Welcome to Shrinkchicks. Welcome to Shrinkchicks. We have such an amazing guest today. We have Julia Ray, and we are so, so excited to um, have you on our show. Uh, so, so Julia was a contestant on The Bachelor franchise, Listen to Your Heart, whether you've seen it or not, her story is one that we think is incredibly important to talk about. Um, and we'll tell you a little bit about why we think that is. And also, we just fucking love Philly people. Man. Love Philly. We, Julia. Julia, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Thank you guys so much for having me. Wait, we love anyone that describes themselves as just outside Philly. Like, that, <laughs> that's only, Philadelphia is the only place where you hear that. Like, oh, I'm just outside the city, right? And and whenever someone's like, how far did you grow up outside the city? Everyone's like, oh, like 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Always 20 minutes. 20 minutes. <laughs> Even though I'm like 76, it's probably more like an hour and a half. Right. Exactly. right. When you're stuck in traffic. If you spent any time on 76, you know how horrible that is. So what you think is a 16-mile drive ends up being an hour. But yeah. only Philadelphia and Philadelphia suburbs people will know just outside Philly. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's how you know, right? Um, so, Julia, so for people that didn't watch um, Bachelor Listen to Your Heart, will you give us a little background. Sure. So it was the brand new musical spinoff of The Bachelor. And so it was a dating series, um, kind of like Bachelor in Paradise, but not really, mixed in with the musical competition. Amazing. Wow. And when this was first coming out, I was actually so excited because I'll watch like X Factor and yeah. like all the singing love, shows yes, and yes. I am just crying while I'm watching. You're so connected. <laughs> oh my God. Well, singing think, is just a whole different. And well, it's also so interesting, right? So like creativity is such a personal thing. And Julia, like you shared your creativity 
creativity and your authentic self. And it invites people into your inner world in such a deeper way. Yeah. Yeah. It's like twofold with this show, right? Because dating, you're exposed and it's vulnerable. And then your biggest, wildest dream is also at play. So it was a very, um, it, it ended up being a stressful situation. I'm sure. I mean, like what? It's like, you're so vulnerable in both aspects and then everyone's watching it. Yes. Yeah. The everyone wants, everyone's watching it aspect doesn't come in when you're filming it. Cause you actually do feel so kind of open and raw in the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course that sets in very quickly as soon as America's eyes are watching. <laughs> of course. I mean, and I was thinking about that. Like, is it, are you aware of the cameras when you're in it? So I was hyper aware of the cameras, but I was also enjoying my time with the cast. So it's like this balance of when you turn a corner, you're not expecting to see three cameramen staring you down. <laughs> um, and you really kind of never get used to it. You know, maybe by the end I was more comfortable, but um, you're also not thinking then, oh, millions of people are on the other end of that right. camera. Right. That's right. hard to grasp. Yeah. yeah right. Um, so then this really interesting thing. So do I think you know what a unique experience to have the spin-off show, and then also the fact that it aired during the height of quarantine, right? Yes. Everyone's home. Everyone's looking for shit to do. Everyone's watching a lot of television. Do you think? <laughs> I mean, to me, that seems like like that could open you up to a lot more opinion and criticism. Yeah. So you know, it's interesting. Weirdly, our ratings were half of what The Bachelor normally gets. I think probably because it was a new series, people were kind of skeptical. And I also think because it was six episodes, I think people had a harder time buying into it because they didn't feel like they knew us well. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, I think that half of The Bachelor ratings that we got were a lot of people that were craving connection and taking some of their anger out perhaps on the season's villain, which mm. is, was me. <laughs> mm. Wow. I mean, like during such a difficult time period for everyone and they're well, like, specifically what? difficult for you, right? So you've been openly talk about, um, you know, having cystic fibrosis, you have an insanely compromised immune system, correct? You have to be incredibly careful with COVID. Yeah, so I remember in early March, I had only gotten home from filming about a month before, and I was working on a few commercial sets and knew that my team was recommending that I quarantine. So I, on March 10th, I shot my last commercial and got in the car and drove to my family's house in Ocean City, New Jersey to quarantine, and I've been here ever since. Um, so yeah, the stress of feeling very vulnerable in that sense <laughs> Um, combined with being vulnerable and having this show air uh, was kind of like the perfect storm uh, for me. I can't. But, but storm is the one word. <laughs> like, I mean, that to me, that would be a mental health crisis. I mean, that I can't imagine. Well, right? then like, add on the fact that I broke my foot. I mean, come oh. on, guys. I, <laughs> did you did break you, your did foot? Did you kill someone in a past life? <laughs> I swear it was like, I don't know. I feel like it was this rebirth for me. I'm looking at it that way now. Um, I broke my foot walking down the stairs to take my dog out. I mean, no. 
um, a week into quarantine. So I had a broken foot. I couldn't exercise and get endorphins going. Oh my God. Wow. Wow. I mean, like if anything is going to push anyone to hit rock bottom. Yeah. (laughs) And and to come out, right? Like what a time to have to actually like use every single coping skill, every piece of resiliency you have. Totally. Because I'm imagining that this whole time you're also being attacked online because that's what people love to do. Yep. Yeah. Every time I signed on to Instagram, Twitter, um, messages to, you know, kill myself, go take a long walk off a short bridge. Um, and also they used my disease against me, which was really sickening to me, uh, telling me that I deserve to die alone, that they're so glad that I have cystic fibrosis. So it was a, oh. honestly, I've almost died from having cystic fibrosis. And I would say that this is more emotionally traumatic than coming at peace coming to peace with, with death. Um, oh my God. So I am definitely had to tap into all of my stores, uh, for resilience and I, I can't, the, that has to be so incredibly difficult to be, do you end up reading those really horrendous messages? Yeah. I, at some points, my friends offered to kind of look at things and, and weed them out for me, but mm-hmm. I I was also getting support and beautiful messages and people praying for me. And um, I wanted to kind of just see all of it and kind of also know to gauge like when this storm was going to pass um, for myself. So I never gave my social media over to anyone else. I just kind of went, walked through it. How are you handling that? Like every time you read a difficult message. Um, how did that affect you? How did you end up handling that? I was devastated. Um, you know, it's this combination of devastation too, right? Because I didn't know that I was going to be the villain. Um, it so was not how it felt when it happened, when I watched it back. So it was a shock to me, um, entirely that this was how the show was going to go for me. Mm. So I was mourning this miss, this opportunity going this horribly wrong for me. Um, an opportunity that I thought would change my life for the better. Mm. It was mourning that and, and coming to terms with that at the same time as reading these vile messages from strangers making assumptions about my character. Wow. And uh, based on a, a, a television show, you know? Yeah. Um, so I didn't deal well with it, honestly, in the thick of it, I didn't leave my bed. I didn't, I completely lost my appetite. Um, I have never known such kind of despair. Wow. Yeah. And the, like describing it as grief is really interesting that like, it felt like such a loss because, and such a surprise, I can imagine not expecting to be portrayed as the villain and then getting such horrible messages Mm-hmm. Um, from it. I mean, it, it, describing it as a grief is interesting because it's, it's, it's a very heavy feeling to have to, yeah. to go through. Yeah. And I think when you have a dream, like I've known all my life that I wanted to be a professional singer and, and performer and to feel like that was taken away from me in mm-hmm. a sense, um, in this experience, um, this was the first time in my life that singing didn't bring me solace. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't even bring myself to sing or write or, um, for weeks. So it felt like I, I didn't know who I was anymore. Mm-hmm. That was how kind of, um, brutal this, it, it was during the worst weeks. 
Wow. Well, I have to say, like, one thing they they did really showcase was your voice is incredible. Unbelievable. Like, really, <laughs> really incredible. And so, because, you know, I heard them showcase it. And um, were you getting any response to that? Because it sounds like because of the negativity surrounding the relationships that it feels like it really affected your career in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, I mean, thank God my performances went the way they did on the show. Oh my God, they were incredible. I was like in awe. <laughs> thank you, because that was my like little bit of saving grace. Like, yeah. all right, at least, at least, you know, I was always kind of worried when I was performing on the show, like, this is my life stream. This is mm-hmm. my life work. I need to arrive and show that. Um, so thank God that was there. Uh, and that, you know, at least I wasn't getting messages about my talent, but I think because I was getting messages about my character, it even hurt worse because mm-hmm. I didn't identify with the person that they made me out to be. Mm. Wow. Yeah, and like to to be shown as someone who you don't connect with mm-hmm. and for other people to respond to that person, like, if, you know, because I know before you were describing how um, you didn't really know who you were when you were in that dark place. Like, it just sounds like it's so, it disconnected you a lot from, like, were you questioning your own character in some way or you, you know, because it, it, they portrayed you as a completely different person. So... No, I think the most frustrating thing for me is I do know who I am. I do know that I'm not a malicious, vindictive person. I knew where I was coming from and how that wasn't being shown. And so it was a frustration. Um, and a, it felt like a, I was being silenced. Mm. Um, and so th- that was like what I was grieving too, is I know, I do know that I'm a good person and that I want good for other people. And to be kind of portrayed as so one-dimensional um, in, an, in a horrible light, really, uh, was devastating. That was the devastating thing. Anyone else feeling like the mental load of making dinner, the planning, the shopping, the prep, figuring out the timing? <laughs> it's a little heavy to carry, huh? Same. That's why I am so grateful for Hungry Root. The food quality, simple recipes, true tastiness, and delivery right to my door is truly a game changer. When getting started, you take a fun, short quiz and Hungry Root will get to know you, what you like to eat, and more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to use. So you can sit back, relax, and offload the many steps of meal planning. Each order is fully customizable so you can take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high quality meat and seafood, healthy snacks, smoothies, sweets, ready meals, kids snacks and meals, vitamins, supplements, much more. My favorite item from my latest box was the honey citrus chopped salad, lemon pepper chicken and the four cheese tortellini. You gotta try it for yourself. Everything from Hungry Root follows a simple standard. It's gotta taste good, be quick to make, and contain whole trusted ingredients. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Shrink Chicks listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash Shrink Chicks to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash Shrink Chicks. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. 
Did you know that billions of plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles end up in landfills every year? I used to contribute to that waste, constantly buying single-use plastic cleaning products without giving it much thought. But then I discovered Blue Land, and it has been a game changer. Blue Land has helped me eliminate the need for single-use plastic and the products I reach for the most. They are reinventing cleaning essentials. Their approach is simple yet revolutionary. Refillable cleaning products with a sleek design that not only looks great on your counter, but also reduces plastic waste significantly. What I love most is the convenience. With Blueland, I never worry about running out of cleaning supplies or lugging bulky bottles from the store. From hand soap to toilet bowl cleaner to laundry tablets that each smell incredible, all Blueland products are made with clean ingredients you can feel good about. I was blown away when I received my first Blueland order. I immediately filled the bottles with water and their tablets, which was so easy to try everything out. And the ingredients are clean, the scents are refreshing, and the packaging is just so cute. Blueland is trusted in over 1 million homes, including mine. If you you're ready to make a positive change for the planet without sacrificing cleanliness or convenience, Blueland has you covered. Blueland has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash shrinkchicks. You won't want to miss this. Blueland.com slash shrinkchicks for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash shrinkchicks to get 15% off. Well, and it's probably something that so many of our listeners can relate to mm -hmm. uh, when we get described as this like you know, one dimensional person. Right, like right? if something happens, then you're like based off of, of you know, course, like right? you to be like villainized. And it's yeah. something, you know, one of the things you went through in this show is, is this battle that so many of us have fought at some point in our lives of like our head versus our heart, right? Mm -hmm. And how many of us have been criticized for doing decisions that other people didn't like? Yours just happened to be filmed and the entire world got <laughs> to judge it. Yeah. And right, and people feel open to that. But really your experience is when we put ourselves out there completely authentically, people still get to interpret it their way. Uh -huh. And that feels horrible. Right. Well, and I think, um, I was talk, I talk about this all the time now because also it's quarantine. So what else is there? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, these viewers of, and I'm a viewer of reality television, we view it passively. We don't view it saying, oh, I wonder what conversations we didn't see. You know, like mm -hmm. we take it at face value. And so sure, I, I think if I, were, if I were taking what I saw at face value, I would probably not like me either, but I wouldn't, I, you know, I also was thinking what, what would prompt me to go find someone that I was watching on reality television and say such nasty things to them? Um, nothing, truly. Right. Um, and far, far worse things than I've, uh, than I ever did on the show too. I was just mm -hmm. like, wow, how do we get here? How did we get here? Um, and you know, I, cause we usually talk about like people who attack other people are struggling with something yeah. themselves, right? Like maybe someone's attacked them in the past and it's such an easy, um, unfortunately it's such an easy forum to be able to like get their anger out or how they're feeling about themselves um, and take it out on others. And so, you know, the tough thing about reality TV is that like when you put yourself and once again, you know, bachelor, it's such a vulnerable experience. You're, you're watching someone go through a relationship, being in a relationship in general is a vulnerable experience or, or finding love or finding connection is such a vulnerable experience. And so just opens that up. It creates this form for people to kind of take their own anger out or their own frustration or their own sadness yeah. in some way. And social media, I mean, social media is great for so many things, right? Yes. You want to talk about, you know, one of the things we'd love to hear more about is your nonprofit organization, right? And like raising 
um, you know, oops, <laughs> and raise, that's my bad, um, and, you know, talking about cystic fibrosis and raising awareness for that, and so for so many reasons, um, social media is fabulous, but it also gives people this opportunity to have an opinion on something, right? We yeah. put out videos before, the people, I think our last, my favorite comment we recently got mm -hmm. was, um, somebody wrote, um, two below average looking women. Yes. <laughs> Yes. And I said, I'd like to prefer that I'm just average looking. Right. Thank you. Yes. I, was like, uh, <laughs> I was like, I'll take that. <laughs> but like people just say stuff yes. not thinking about that you're a real person. Yeah. Right. Right. A real person. Yeah. And I think, you know, especially because the world is hurting, um, I mean, in so many ways right now, it was easier for people to take their anger out on me. And the interesting thing is when I when I was able to tap into my stores of, of strength, I would respond to some haters and many of them would end up apologizing and, and say that they, that in that moment, they took their anger and their pain out on me. Wow. Was, yeah. It, it was such a powerful exercise for me actually to reach out to them. And then a lot of us have formed like friendships and um, they end up following me and then we're talking and checking in on each other. So Wow. That has been a beautiful aspect of this that has come. Oh, but, but Julia, that for you takes so much strength. <laughs> I'm going to call it an elevated consciousness level. <laughs> We're going to describe that as, right? For you to be able to put your own pain aside and look at that person with curiosity, where the hell do you get that power from? I mean, that's a resiliency reserve. Where do you get that from? Oh, well, um... I mean, I think growing up with a chronic illness, my real resiliency reserves are, are pretty high. Uh, but I think because I was dealing with so much pain myself, I kind of was just like, let me just see where these people are coming from. Wow. Like, maybe if I begin to understand them, they'll begin to understand me. Mm. How would you respond to them exactly? Like, what were your... <laughs> I just am so curious because... That's got to be just such a hard thing yeah. to do. Yeah. How would you respond to them in those moments? Um, I, I'll, I'll say that some probably are better than others. Um, <laughs> Give us your best one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think my best approach was when I just said, I can understand why you have this opinion of me based on what you saw. And I hope you can understand that there was so much more uh, to what happened Wow. and that there is more to me. And I hope you'll give me the opportunity to, to show you that. And if you don't, I wish you well. And um, I hope you're staying safe. It was oh, wow. All right, well, let's, well, let's take that for one. Let's educate that on one second. One, Julia, that's the most unbelievably beautiful, boundary, caring, kind thing. That's what we call the term differentiation, the yes. ability to respond and not react. Yes. That is a beautiful conscious response. Thank you. I mean, that's that's setting a boundary of one. You also can't talk to me that way, right? Right? Like, like yes. Right? Like, it's not just starting a and, negative conversation. And you know, in responding to someone who's very angry, you know, when we respond to them back in anger, usually nothing happens, right? It just no one's hearing each other, no one's listening. But yeah. you responded to an angry, probably hurtful message with such vulnerability and, and it sounds like it opens 
the other person up to also be vulnerable and understand you on a different level. Where I think that when people are, you know, taking their anger out in some way that they're expecting an angry response back, you probably disarmed them in a lot of ways. Some of them were so mortified, I think, because they assume we don't see those. It's it's weird. It's as if they think that we don't look at our own social media. Right. And they would be like, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize you would, would even see this or respond. And wow. um, so it was fascinating to, to see their responses and, and see how um, disconnected they feel to us, right? As, as reality TV stars, mm-hmm. have you, whatever, you know, we want to call us. Um, they were mortified. That is actually what I would call their responses. They would be like embarrassed. Wow. Uh, and, and then vulnerable in, in return. Um, so it was a good practice. I found it valuable on many levels. Absolutely. And that's why I think talking about this is so important. And like, you know, cause I know you said you felt silenced on the show. And so to have this conversation afterwards where you can say like, Oh no, I read this and other people read their messages. Um, I think it's important for people to know that, to know that they really are, Uh, you know, their words do hurt other people. Um, And it just, it sounds like in your response um, that I'm sure you change a lot of people's perspective who were initially using this medium to kind of take their anger out. I hope so. I mean, I think if anything comes out of that, it's these, it's these valuable lessons that I've learned as well. Um, And that, that is kind of the things that I'm taking with me from what I would, what I refer to now as the most emotionally traumatic experience of my life. Um, oh, anyway, I want to ask, so we, I know we have a bunch of listener questions, but I also would like to, a lot of people listening might not really know what cystic fibrosis is. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if you could speak to that and a little bit about your experience. Sure. So cystic fibrosis is a chronic progressive, um, disease that affects mainly the lungs, but um, most, most of it's on the cellular genetic level. So it affects the entire body. Um, and I was diagnosed before I was born. So I've been doing breathing treatments up to two hours every single day of my life. Wow. Uh, in addition to other medications with, with every meal. And uh, growing up, I had a, a difficult time. My lungs partially collapsed uh, eight times. So I grew up in and out of the hospital. Um, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia felt like a second home to me, as a, especially as a first and second grader. I spent a lot of time in the hospital there. Uh, and so growing up with like that emotionally traumatic experience of a chronic illness and coming to terms with that, you know, well, really, when do you ever come to terms with it? Uh, it's kind of like a daily <laughs> reckoning. Um, but it, it, it does affect me to this day, but I will say that for the past, um, since 2017, I've been on what I call a miracle medication, and it's the first of its kind that treats the underlying cause instead of just the symptoms. So I feel uh, better than I ever imagined I would feel in my life, and uh, which is kind of this weird situation now with quarantine because... I feel so vulnerable because my, I am immunocompromised, but I also feel better than I felt in my life. And yet, uh, cystic fibrosis is getting in the way of me living my life still. Wow. 
Does it, does the cystic fibrosis affect your singing at all? Yeah. Um, it's funny. Someone tweeted about my vocal fry on the, on the show. Um, oh, people love talking about women's vocal fry. <laughs> <laughs> Another, yeah, people, I don't know what that is. It's something about millennial. They love to go after millennial women's vocal fry. Well, it cracked me up because they were like, she has such a beautiful voice, but what is that vocal fry? And I was like, that is called um, growing up and coughing up a lung every day. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, thank you. Fuck off. <laughs> so it does affect um, my singing. Uh, I think actually my breath control uh, is better because I've had to focus on breathing all of my life and I do exercises every day. Um, but it's gotten in the way of performing. Like I've can't had to cancel, um, many of performance because I've either been hospitalized or I'm too sick, uh, to perform. Uh, luckily that hasn't happened since I've been on this, uh, new medication, but it was definitely something that I had to battle my whole life of how do I pursue this dream that demands so much of me and my body when my body is betraying me mm -hmm. um, with this illness. So was, that was a constant battle for me growing up. Wow. Did that, so yeah, because I, I can't imagine that that's easy to deal with, you know, as a young child and even into adulthood. Like how did you, like even just emotionally, how did you learn to kind of process that and deal with that? Um, you know, what was that like for you? So uh, I recently found a journal of mine when I was in third grade. I was a very like optimistic child growing up in this, this journal. I started writing a book about cystic fibrosis for parents oh. about how to parent their child, the CF. Wow. And um, I look back now and the letter that I start the book with is actually my mission statement for my nonprofit. So it kind of just like all makes sense that I ended up doing this work when I thought of it as a nine-year-old. Wow. Um, but I don't honestly think I did process it or allow myself um, the grief and the grieving process of having chronic illness until recent years. Mm -hmm. um, I'll never forget, I was getting ready to run the New York City Marathon in 2016. And I had my, uh, we have like, we go to our CF team at once every other month. And I was going to my CF team and for the first time in 25 years, they hand me a mental health screening. And like for the first time in having cystic fibrosis, the question, how are you feeling, had nothing to do with my lungs. Wow. And I broke down in my doctor's office. And because I, at that point, was already such a public advocate, um, I had already been Miss Philadelphia and Miss Pennsylvania teen, and I was already doing public speaking on CF, my team was so kind of blindsided by my reaction to this mental health screening. Um, but it was a moment of imposter syndrome for me because I was being looked up to as this inspiration in the CF community, but I didn't feel all that inspiring behind mm -hmm. closed doors. Um, and that was kind of a turning point for me. Uh, and it's still something that I process and, and deal with emotionally. Uh, I don't know that it's something that I'll ever fully, you know, I com I've come to terms with it. Obviously, it's my mm -hmm. life and it, it is something that I deal with and have. But uh, I think as a child, I didn't fully comprehend mm -hmm. the emotional and mental toll that it took on me. 
I am thrilled that the weather is finally warming up here in Philly. I went to switch out my closet the other day from my fall winter wear to my spring summer wear and noticed that I very much needed a refresh. So thank goodness for Quince that allows me to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I refresh my closet with the high-waisted linen shorts that come in multiple colors and patterns, the comfiest cotton tees, and my latest favorite, the smocked mini dress. And don't miss out on their accessories. Quince has the coolest sunglasses and 14 karat gold jewelry to complete any look. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, making me feel even better about my purchases. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. A really fun fact about me that you might not know is that if I let my hair dry natural, it is a frizzball mess, which is one of the many reasons I absolutely love pros. I truly never thought that I would be able to embrace my natural hair texture. Ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Less frizzy hair, yes, but beyond that too. My hair is shinier, healthier, and so much more manageable. Filming the podcast every week makes checking out my hair unavoidable, and I have felt so much more confident on camera thanks to pros. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. The custom shampoo and conditioner combo, plus the hydrating leave-in conditioner and hair oil keeps the frizz at bay. It also makes for the smoothest blowout. People keep asking me if I got my hair cut or went to the salon, which is of course the highest compliment. Pros isn't just better for you, it's better for the planet. They're certified B Corp cruelty free and the first and only carbon neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. I used this feature when I moved to my temporary house in New Jersey, back to my house house post construction project in Pennsylvania. Environmental factors like water source is something that Pros takes into consideration with their customization. So it was very cool that I had the ability to update my location. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin, and they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. So you get a free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash shrinkchicks. Well, you, so you talk about that advocacy work, and you're now the founder of a nonprofit organization called Singing at the Top of My Lungs dedicated to making a difference in the lives of hospitalized children through music, art, and child life programs. Tell us more. That's amazing. And I hope you're still going involved with CHOP. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. We have um, one of our board, amazing board members is the music therapist at CHOP. Uh, so we're very lucky to have him on our, on our team. Uh, we are actually gearing up to do a virtual fundraiser coming up in the fall that I'm really excited about. And we'll be um, doing some grants to children's hospitals and the programs like music, art, and child life therapies. And that's so important to me because, especially as someone growing up with a chronic illness, when you're going in and out of the hospital as a child, you need to be equipped with tools to then go take care of yourself at home. Mm. And in order to do that, your spirit and your heart need to be taken care of as much as your body. And 
that is what those programs focus on. And they kind of take the care beyond uh, the physical. It, and it sounds like, because I know, you know, when we asked the question about emotionally dealing with it, and as a kid that, you know, and as kids don't really know how to process that, and parents, you know, a lot of the time don't really know how to talk to their kids about it. And so it sounds like you've created this platform to help give kids what you didn't receive when you were growing up. Yeah, I think, you know, it's funny, I think in some ways, like, I don't want to call it a regression on my part, but as a child, I did have amazing care. Like, I, it's actually why I want to support those programs because I think my optimism as a child was because of the child life specialist that I had. Mm. And um, because of the way that my parents talked to me about cystic fibrosis, I think um, as my disease progressed in my teen years, I think I got angry. Um, I know I got angry. Uh, and when I was fighting for my life as a 17 and 18 year old in the hospital, it was a different experience um, than as a six and seven year old. Um, so I, I do know how important those programs are and, I, and they are underfunded. They do not get reimbursed by insurance. So these programs kind of work on a donation basis. And so to be able to make an impact by giving a grant to a program, you know, the impact is great because if one child from that impact, from that grant is able to cope better, then it was worth it. Wow. That's incredible work that you're doing. Yeah, incredible. We're, but you can't see us, and but our mouths are wide open. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I don't know. I just keep thinking, I know we have to get to listener questions, but I, I, Julie, I just love what you said about, you know, taking care of your soul and your spirit, right? Like that, like, you know, you can go through your darkest times and your most difficult thing, whether that's chronic illness, whether that's cyberbullying, whether that's heartache, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, not to take it off of uh, Mr. Rogers, but look for the helpers, right? There are people that come to you, whether it's your friend saying, offering, I'll delete the messages off Instagram or child life specialist at a young age. And it seems like you've done a tremendous job of becoming a helper yourself. And that's a very beautiful thing. Thank you. That means so much. And and that weird way that life works, I just finished the kindness and wonder book on, on Mr. Rogers, literally. Oh my God. <laughs> we did not even talk about this. I just, I just have a toddler at home. Um, <laughs> so we spent a lot of time with Mr. Rogers and Sesame Street. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So we'll get to listener questions here. I have, we're going to start with my favorite because this is why we have the best listeners in the whole world because we had this question asked not one, not two, not three, multiple, so many times. Or the number one people want to know about the show from our listeners, are there therapists or mental health counselors available to you if you need on the show? <laughs> yes, but it's such a weird bubble experience and it's you, your cast and the producers. And there was a moment that they used of me in um, promos that they never aired. And I, it's hilarious to me looking back now, but I'm sobbing and I say something like, I just don't feel good about it. Uh, <laughs> and that moment I was talking to producers and I should have been talking to the therapist. Okay. Um, okay. And I don't think I had the wherewithal to kind of say, whoa, I need to tap out for a second. Because yeah. um, had I tapped out, the obviously my conversation with the therapist would not have been on camera. Uh, so yes, there are. But the way that it's kind of set up, 
I never called on them and really I should have. <laughs> did did I anyone? I a lot of people don't though. Yeah. Did anyone call on them? So because they don't make it public knowledge, I, okay. but honestly, I don't, I don't believe any of us did because I, I bet they wouldn't probably in the moment. I mean, that's a hard thing to do to, 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 like you just said, like to have that awareness to like step out and like step away right. everything's happening so, process and everything's happening so fast. <laughs> So fast, and the producers are are acting like your shoulder to cry on or your best friend. So you feel protected, even though you are so not. Yeah. <laughs> right. So then, okay. So then, our next question: Do you think you were depicted fairly? Um, no. no. Uh, it seems like no. <laughs> yeah, it broke my heart. Yeah, to be that, feel that misunderstood or, or miss. Um, yeah, just totally not who I am, you know, my family and friends didn't recognize the person that they, you know, when things are taken out of context or sassy things, you know, I am very sassy with my friends, but when I say things like ding, 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 it's, you know, funny and quippy and put in the wrong context, it's not nice. (laughs) Right. And, and, and it's easy to like edit it and move it so that, um, you kind of can create this image of, of people, um, so, you know, they, the editors are incredible over there. Yes. I don't know what they're doing. That's, editors in the seats, like, they, well, they, they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Every time I heard my voice, it'd be like, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a trigger. Yeah. That's how I feel about listening to our podcast. Yeah. I'm like, I think listening to your own voice in general is so painful. Horrible. But on top of that, knowing that they're going to edit it in a certain way, I mean, You're that like, has to be hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so when someone had asked, I don't know if you're allowed to tell this, how long does the actual filming take place? It looks exhausting. So uh, I'll give like, I'll answer that in two ways. So I was only there for 11 days of filming. <laughs> wild. It seemed like a lifetime. Well, yeah. When I say that to some of my haters, they're like, oh, I thought you were this wishy-washy for like months. And I was like, no, I was wishy-washy for 11 days. Wow. <laughs> I mean, not, even, not even two weeks. <laughs> oh my God. And it is exhausting because we do not go to, we did not go to bed sometimes until 5 a.m. some nights. And we had to be up at seven every day. Uh, so how can you be emotionally sane when you are getting two hours of sleep and then trying to form relationships? And performing. And performing. Like how we we talk about this a lot. You know that whole like old adage of don't go to bed angry. Yes. <laughs> we don't believe in that because if you're tired, your reactivity is so much higher. Like it's very it's just I can't even they just put you in such a difficult situation. Yeah, it's a setup. Oh my God, two hours of sleep. Well, and I think they were used, they're only used to to producing The Bachelor. They weren't used to performers. And we, I mean, we had like, come on guys, we need to sing tomorrow. You know, like we did have some come to Jesus moments of like, I need a nap or the same. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Oh my gosh. Um, So then, so in terms of the franchise, what do you think the franchise could do better in terms of preventing cyberbullying? Because it does not seem like you're the only person who's experienced this. No, no. In fact, it's like this villain sisterhood. You know, yeah. I guess you got reached out to by a bunch of former Bachelor villains. Um, you know, I think the franchise misses an opportunity to show more of the complexity of how things actually happen. Like, I think bullies would have a harder time making such rash and blanket statements if they felt more connected to 
the actual reality of the mm-hmm. situation, if that makes sense. Like there's such a superficial knowledge that you get from the show. Um, and I think that's where, you know, the root, instead of preventing cyberbullying, yeah, by just doing a, a different job of, quite frankly, I think it'd be more interesting TV as well. Absolutely. Well, I also wonder, even if they did like a special after each reality TV show where they're like, these are all the things you didn't see. And this is how, you know, it, 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 I wonder if it would help viewers like more consciously take in information to be able to be like, okay, I understand that they're portraying people in this way, but there's also so much that people aren't seeing. So some sort of like special afterwards where they're like, okay, we portrayed Julia in this way, but like, look at all these other things. That and happens. if anyone from The Bachelor is listening, Jen and I will happily take this on. We can be consultants. We will, we will nominate ourselves to do the I will, And I will be the therapist for the show if anyone needs <laughs> it. <laughs> well, they would hate us. We would be like, don't tell the producer that. Come to me. <laughs> Yeah, hire the shrink chicks as your consultants. Yes. <laughs> I also think, like, you know, I walked away with so many great friendships from this show, and no one would believe that based on who they saw. Right. <laughs> you know, and I think that's the thing. Like, if you really did see all of it, then you would understand why, you know, I talk to, you know, f- probably five of my castmates nearly every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think there is there is a benefit to kind of showing more of the complexities let's let's show like more of what happened unfortunately this was six episodes so they really were crunched yeah right yeah right but i do i think it would help people so much um so another interesting question Mm -hmm. um has the show changed your views on dating or relationships yes a hundred percent um you know i for years put dating on such a back burner because my career was my number one thing. Uh, and I did chase after a lot of guys that um, weren't good news. Uh, and I think that, you know, art imitating life, the show was that for me. Yes. Uh, and and I got so many messages of girls saying, oh, I've so been you. Totally. Totes. Everyone. I so many people listening are like, oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah. And something we talk about is sometimes like, right, we have a safe decision and a right decision, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and it's, it's so many of us reject our safe decision. Yes. Because it's not something we are interested in, right? It's a whole dynamic called pursuer distancer. Pursuer distancer. The more someone pursues, the more we distance. Yeah. So spot on for what happened to me on the show. And, and the funny thing is I actually am in a place where I am looking for substance. And I think had these relationships on the show played out in real life and I wasn't forced to make decisions that I would never make in real life in such a short amount of time, uh, then my relationships on the show would have worked out differently. Mm. Um, but I, I am looking for substance. I will kind of hold myself accountable for you know, is this the chase or is this me chasing substance? And that, that is hard to figure out sometimes. Yeah. Because sometimes the pull, like the pull towards like someone who's distancing is so strong. It's magnetic, man. It is. It's magnetic. You're like, oh, I can't have this thing. I need it. Right. Let me prove it. Yeah. Let me prove. Right. 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 And so, but I think, you know, everyone gets to the point over time where they're just like, okay, I'm so tired of chasing. Yes. Well, I certainly watched it back and was like, oh, girl, what were you thinking? Mm -hmm. That guy didn't have your best interest at heart at all. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I think watching it back uh, was kind of an aha moment for me. And I, I want substance. I want that relationship where we're both arriving and willing to do the hard work because they are hard work. Absolutely. It is. It absolutely is hard work. And you know what? If people don't really get the luxury of looking back at past relationships um, in front of them, right? We can like use our memory and be like, oh, maybe that wasn't the right decision, but like yours was in your face. <laughs> right there. <laughs> like, wow. I mean, it's like if, you know, what's the saying? Hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. Your hindsight was too your hindsight. Yes, your hindsight was in your face. Man. Yep. On HD, baby. HD. <laughs> you could replay it over and over again oh, if God. you wanted to. How yeah. many of us would want like some of our, you know, that experience, right? I mean, you are signing up, you know, what you sign up for with that. Like, could you imagine for anyone listening that can you even think to judge someone on reality TV? Oh my God. Imagine a moment you do not feel proud of or a place where you didn't feel like you were at your best or you made the best decision and then have it shown and criticized. And like, you're watching it back. Like for you to have to relive it too. I mean, it's like, if this is like exposure therapy. Yes. Yes. Well, and I think people, a lot of people forgot that too, watching it. You know, I was, though people thought I was playing Sheridan, I, I, I was being played at the same time. So it was like, uh, it was just so, um, layered as an experience. Um, so certainly watching it back was, uh, not fun. I have never watched any of the episodes more than once. And I don't, I, I don't, I can't imagine you would want to, right? Like just has to be hard. I mean, even thinking about like past experiences in your own life, that like you're not proud of, like it gives you some anxiety. Yeah. You know, it's like makes you like uncomfortable. Like 2 a.m. wake up of like the embarrassing moment from third grade. And you're like, oh my God. But like, yeah. you can't even fully remember it. And so to have to watch it, like that just has to be so painful. Yes. Oh, it was. Oh my God. So, and, but I'm sure it makes you stronger. So let's, so let's head out. So well, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to any future contestants or anyone else making some of these decisions? Oh, um, I am such an open book. I wear my emotions on my sleeve. I, and I think if you put yourself in this situation, you need to know that this situation is not a safe space. Mm. That you should feel all the feelings you're feeling in these situations, but that perhaps you need to have a filter that I didn't have. And I think had I had that filter, this would have gone differently for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy to forget though. You, are, you don't have access to a telephone. You don't have access to the internet. You are away from your family and friends and people that you consult with in your life. Um, that's all gone. That's all taken from you for this experience. So you have to have just this wherewithal with, with you um, at all times. Uh, so, you know, my advice would be if you are going to put yourself in this situation, know that, know that this is not where you bear your soul. Hmm. Like to protect yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wish, I wish I had done more of that. Wow. Well, Julia, you are absolutely incredible. Yeah, we're kind like, of obsessed with you. You're fabulous. Okay. But before we end, we can't think of being here, but first, can you tell everyone how they can get involved with singing at the top of my lungs? Yes. Uh, please follow us on Instagram. We are going to get 
um, very active. We're going to have like Instagram takeovers with music therapists. So you can learn more about what we really do and the programs we support and see the incredible work that they're doing. Uh, and if you can support us when we are announcing our virtual event and tune in and donate what you can to change the lives of hospitalized children, I would love that. So follow us at singing at the top of my lungs on Instagram and uh, do what you can. And we're going to put all this information in our uh, Instagram and on all our social networks as well. So you can all support this amazing organization. We cannot thank you enough for being here. And let me just say, um, you clearly are beautiful on the outside and truly on the inside. What a pure soul, so much dignity and grace. Um, we have so much respect for you. And, thank you for coming. And thank today. you for being so vulnerable yeah. and authentic with us. And like giving us that safe space to to really talk about some of these difficult topics. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for having me. And this was exactly the kind of conversation that I've been craving and needing. So I'm so appreciative. Thank you. Well, we're always here, even if you want to uh, off, off the podcast. Yes, yes, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank, thank you guys all for listening to Straight Chicks today. You thank guys you. have been asking the next next week's episode and the one after that's family dynamics. You wanted to know, we're going to tell you all the ins and outs and research behind it. Um, we cannot thank you enough. Everyone check out Singing at the Top of My Lungs. Take care and we love you. We love you. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelore. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts, we're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. Warning though, there will be no surface level conversations here. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image after trying to check all those be healthy boxes. I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. I truly believe how you feel on the inside reflects out into every aspect of your life. So if you're ready to go below skin deep to tap into a whole other level of wellness, you're in the right place. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks.